All right, good to be with you here on a leap day. Yes, we have made it to a leap day. Uh, not We don't get to do this often, just every four years. So uh, thanks for being along with us. Um, we might have ODU coaching news, although nothing official yet. There is a report out there that Mike Jones, of course, uh, former player here at Old Dominion, was on that uh, team that knocked off Villanova in the triple overtime and is uh, apparently the choice, although, again, not confirmed by the school. Uh, it is a report out there by a a Twitter handle or an X handle, I guess we call it now, at Coaching Changes uh, that as uh, a group of diverse group of insiders. Some speculate hires and fires. Some make jokes. Some go to people. DMs unlocked. It says they get 27,000 followers, many of which are people in college basketball, many of which are people that would be in the know in this situation. And um, they are saying... Uh, right now that uh, we are told from a very good source, but not a source inside the department, that Maryland's Mike Jones of DeMatha fame will be the next coach at Old Dominion University. So uh, hearing that, I've heard it from some others as well off off the uh, record, not people within the program, have not gotten confirmation nor denials from anybody inside the program yet either, should mention that. Um, so it's interesting if this is, uh, first of all, it'd be very quick, no question, but they've known since Monday, officially, really Sunday, uh, that Jeff Jones was retiring. They have had the search committee. Wood Sealy explained all this yesterday in the 4 o'clock hour. And by the way, for those of you that asked me, we're looking for the uh, podcast. It is up and running if you need it from yesterday, the Wood Sealy interview at 4 o'clock on the dot. You can check that out there. Uh, some really good information on the, the search uh, of the next coach. And, that you know, they get a big jump head start uh, with this committee helping them, the search firm, I should say, helping them and getting out there. Um, the assumption is the interviews were done on Tuesday and they uh, talked it over yesterday. And now, obviously, a decision has been made today. But again, not official enough for the school to announce it. Could have a press conference as soon as tomorrow, perhaps, as well. But again, nothing official yet. But... Would it be shocking that it's Mike Jones and it only took them a day and a half to two days to figure it out? No. I mean, I told you all this on Monday. You want to make this thing really simple. We don't have to overthink it. It should be Mike Jones, and they should announce it right now. Um, you know, or just, you know, obviously after talking to him, hello, uh, and negotiating. But, you know, it shouldn't take too long. So if that's the where they landed on this thing, I don't think that's a bad decision at all. I think it's actually an exciting decision, and it's good news for them because, again, uh, you get this out there. Tomorrow's March 1st. You have a two-week window, a little bit more than two-week window in terms of when the transfer portal opens. You know, you uh, probably have a, you know, definitely have a season most likely coming to an end next week in the tournament. And, you know, he can decide, on the, start working on the staff, working on players, uh, those kind of things, those kind of things, and obviously re-recruiting the, the class they have now. Of course, one of those players is, you know, not too far from where he is right now in Maryland. Terps, if you know, you're looking at their schedule, uh, they're off till Sunday, I believe. They lost last night to Northwestern, and barring a Big Ten championship tournament victory for them, a uh, tournament, you know, championship, I should say, their season's probably going to be over pretty quickly here. So uh, there's that part of it as well. Again, Mike, you know, was a great player here. He ran the DeMatha program for 19 years after a legend, Morgan Wooten. You know how they say about following the legends. I mean, Morgan Wooten's an all-time name and coach um, in terms of the high school scene. Uh, Mike went there and put together quite an impressive resume over 19 seasons before making the move to Virginia Tech for two seasons and obviously now at Maryland for a season to get that college 
experience under his belt. He's been part of USA Basketball for the better part of two decades and a big part of that. And he is a guy who uh, is very well connected uh, in terms of recruiting and has done very well in the past at uh, developing players. I mean, the players they've developed at DeMatha, they, they got better. They've put players in the NBA there. They thought enough of the DeMatha, despite having, again, Morgan Wooten as their all-time coach there to name the court after him um, earlier this year or last season. I guess it was earlier, you know, 2023 calendar year. So to say he's had a, you know, a pretty good career as a coach would be an understatement. And, of course, um, now to come, what should be a homecoming for him? I mean, as I said on Monday, I say this with certainty, that this would mean a hell of a lot to him. This job would mean more to him. Um, than just you know being a coach at some school like this is not a hey man I'm going to go there and do my time and you know you know find another job now this is a place he would like to come run this program as long as he's uh, willing you know as long as he's able to and as successfully as he possibly can he would absolutely love this opportunity and if this is where they fell on him if these reports uh, this this report I should say it's because it's just a singular at this point is in fact the gospel then. This is good news. And again, it didn't have to be complicated. It didn't have to be some worldwide thing. We'd have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, again, an alum, a guy who's got the chops, he's done at high school level as the head coach and now has been on a staff, two different staffs, uh, with, with good, you know, working behind Mike Young, who's a, a very good coach in his own right at Virginia Tech, and working with uh, Kevin Willard here this past season. Although it's a bit of a disappointing year for Maryland, I would say. Probably the safest way to put that, the most honest way to put that, I should say. Because I think they were hoping for a little bit more uh, for after what they did last season. It's uh, you know it's still a good experience to get, again, in the Big Ten. So he's widening his net. He's been in the ACC, been in the Big Ten. Obviously, the WCAC is where a lot of very good uh, college basketball players come to come from. And certainly a lot of uh, guys who have come out of the NBA have come from there as well. So he's, he's got that in his background. Um, a guy by the name of Mark Stern, who was no Mike for a long time in the Prep Hoops arena from Capital Hoops, will join us uh, at 5 o'clock to talk about Mike's coaching style um, and what he did at DeMatha, what separated him from what was a loaded conference. I mean, again, you're talking about Gonzaga. You're talking about PVI, which is Paul Six, for those that don't know the abbreviation. And, you know, St. John's, McNamara's had good teams over the years. O'Connell has had good programs. A lot of quality programs. Now, they've gone to these tournaments against, you know, the Montverdes of the world, and these other schools that are really, they're not high schools. They're really, you know, the prep schools. They're, they're places that can recruit nationally, and they've, they've held their own. I mean, DeMatha has been on that level and was on that level under Mike uh, for a long stretch. You know, we're national champions one year as well. So it's... um. A guy who's, again, been, been at a very high level, a uh, very competitive division as the head coach and now, again, as the assistant, which is a different role in college. And I'm sure his roles have been different at Tech uh, and at Maryland. I mean, Maryland, he's not the number one assistant. He's been uh, behind you know one of the assistants there who was there slightly longer than him. He replaced Tony Skin, who, of course, went on to George Mason uh, to become the head coach there. And he's done an excellent job in year one as the head coach at his alma mater up there with the Patriots. He's been real impressive. But, you know, again, people really high on what Mike was doing here in the early stages at at Maryland. And uh, I'm reaching out to some people at Maryland today when this news came out, and they're saying, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that um, they really, you know, is tied into this area, and they were enjoying what he was doing. But, you know, can you blame him if he's got a chance to go back to his alma mater? Absolutely not. That's that's an awesome moment for him. But, you know, again, it's like it's Willard, it's David Cox, and it's Mike on that staff. 
And, um, you know, now we'll be interested to see what he puts together because I think th- there are some ties with, with some of the guys here potentially. Uh, there might be some fits, we'll see, um, that are here. And, you know, the other part is, can he, into, does he choose to keep the recruiting class together? We've heard a lot about this class, but, you know, the eyes in the eye of the beholder, right? You know, maybe we'll see if, if that's uh, something that uh, he finds important to, assuming that this is all. On the uh, on the up and up, as they say. But again, no confirmation from ODU at this point. Also, no denial from ODU at this point. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's not what people say; it's what they don't say. But uh, either way, uh, that is the report right now. We will uh, continue to keep our eyes on any official notice between now and seven. We're out of here. Um, we're going to talk to Jason Wade, ODU uh, basketball uh, player, of course, playing out his uh, career with the Monarchs. Uh, should know his background, hell of a background, uh, what he's been through here, part of that team that won Conference USA. It was in the NCAA tournament. Uh, guys meant a lot to the program, is a graduate student now and is uh, finishing up his career last night. Uh, ODU lost to App State, who locked up the regular season of the Sun Belt, which is, you know, just for seeding, that's important. But uh, if it isn't George or James Madison, excuse me, and um, App State in the finals of the Sun Belt. I think people would be pretty disappointed down in Pensacola. No offense to the rest of them, but it really feels like everybody else is playing for three, four, five, and on down. Um, again, so we'll talk to Jason. We'll have that interview for you at 6 o'clock. Mark Stern on uh, Mike Jones, the head coach at DeMatha, his DeMatha years when he joins us at 5 o'clock. And again, Mark, uh, pretty tight with Mike over the years as well. All right, so we'll get to all that. Your texts are welcome, 757-687-9494, Monarch Nation. If you want to uh, hit up us, thoughts on the Mike Jones hire, if it is in fact that we're, that's where it ends up, what do you think of it? Seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four. Again, I'll just reiterate because, hey, man, you know this is the world we live in. Sometimes people get ahead of themselves, but right now uh, it's just a report. But uh, again, nobody's knocking it down from the inside that says Mike Jones will be the next coach at Old Dominion. That's Mike Jones who played at Old Dominion, not the Mike Jones at UNCG, because we do have to differentiate. Because there's a bunch of Mike Joneses in 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 basketball by the way the guy who replaced mike jones at dematha how about this for confusing is also mike jones yeah that's right huh yeah exactly what yeah exactly all right we'll get to some combine news coming up there's some uh commanders fans freaking out about josh harris being there this week and what he's doing we'll talk about that a little bit uh your calls and texts 757-687-9494 that's a ballyhoo's phone line also the text line scott jackson show off and running here on a leap day thursday february 29th 2024 here on priority auto sports radio 94.1 we are brought to you by larry king law the scott jackson show will return after this timeout on priority auto sports radio 94.1 all right, welcome back. Uh, good to be with you today here on the Leap Day edition. Our, our first Leap Day show ever, by the way, uh, here on the program. And we'll have to wait for a while for the next one. All right, so I um, want to dive into this combine stuff. also want to draw your attention to the X at uh, Jackson Sports at ESPN Radio uh, 941 or at Jackson Sports if you want to vote on today's poll question, which deals with the combine, which is underway the uh, – the workouts and all that fun stuff have uh, started. And I always find it interesting. I meet a lot of people, talk to a lot of people that uh, care about sports, and often they tell me how much they hate the combine, the idea of the combine so stupid. Uh, you know, it's the underwear Olympics, blah, 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 blah. And yet every year they come back with ginormous TV numbers and they continue to grow. So 
I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm just never interacting with the people that care about the combine or people lie about the combine. I'm not sure which it is. But anyway, uh, so that's the poll question today. In regards to the combine, uh, how much of it will you watch? Uh, close to all, but 3.4% only. Uh, 51.7% of you that have already voted say none of it. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, some of it at 34.5. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a some of it. Like, I... You know, look, I want to see the um, quarterbacks for sure, right? I'm, I'm a dope. I don't care about the 40-yard dash times, but the guys that want to throw, I'd like to see them throw. I'm going to give them the, uh, you know, I'm going to give them our, my time because if they're going to give us their time, which they don't have to do, uh, I'll give them my time to watch the throwing. I'll, I'll watch that part of it. i uh, like to see some of the DB drills, some of the other stuff. I mean, look, the offensive line stuff is interesting, but it really – uh, you know, without seeing them maul somebody with pads on, it's not nearly as important. I mean, really, let's be honest, all of it is less important than what we see with the guys with the pads on, yet this is the time of year we're in. And, and there is some value to it. Every year we hear these coaches say the same old, same old, oh, no, no, it's, you know, the, the, the tape, the tape, the tape. And then there's always some sucker that leaves the combine that over overestimates a guy, overdrafts somebody based off what they saw at the combine or a great meeting or whatever it was, uh, you know, an interaction in the hallway. I'm not sure, but they always come back, and there's always somebody who becomes the, you know, the combine champion that helps themselves from these few days. And, and, and look, sometimes it might be legit why they've jumped up. It might be, oh wow, this guy's stronger than I thought. His body type's better, whatever uh, it may be, and maybe they really did need the 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 ability to talk one-on-one with them to get to know the person to uh, validate what was on the tape or maybe overcome some of the things that they had heard about them as a person. So, I, I okay, from that part of it, it's fine. But again, if they just get excited about the workouts and the 40 and the leaping and all this stuff, and it's, it's kind of silly uh, when they do that. But anyway, the RAS score. What was his RAS score? So anyway, that's where the poll question is at Jackson Sports and the X the athlete formerly known as Twitter. You can do that there. All right, 757-687-9494, if you want to hit us up on the Valley Who's phone line or the text line. All right, so early this morning, I saw this Adam Schefter tweet that I knew that, you know, the the Commanders fans would take this very rationally. I I was assured of it, (laughs) that this would go over really well when Adam Schefter tweeted out this about the new commander's owner, Josh Harris, saying that not only was he in Indianapolis, okay, not only was he in Indianapolis, but he was actually in the meetings with uh, the quarterbacks that the commanders have spoken to. And those are the meetings that he has attended at this point and also went on to say, you know, that this is not the norm. So I'm sh- I was sure that, you know, this would be handled with a very good amount of um, – you know, sanity and calm by the commanders slash Redskin fans. And of course, I'm being sarcastic as hell. So this was put out at 7.02 this morning. It's $2.5 million views and people are losing their mind. So again, for those that don't know, uh, Josh Harris, been owner since July. NBA background, among other backgrounds, right? Owns the Sixers and never been to the combine. Never been part of the process. Uh, was an investor in the Steelers prior to this, but never, you know, was was high up in the chain. It was just an investment. So anyway, he's he's said from the beginning that he would, you know, be willing to be part of these processes, but he's not going to be the guy, you know, that takes the draft card and, you know, selects, you know, Dwayne Haskins as, you know, Dan Snyder did how many seasons ago. But yet people are freaking the flip out. 
you know, and I get it. David Tepper last year, right? You know, he and his wife were on this tour seeing all the quarterbacks. Snyder used to go see all the quarterbacks. And it's always the quarterback, right? Like, so when you, when people try to talk you about how important the quarterback position is or how they're treated differently and all this other crap, uh, don't believe it. Of course they're treated differently because it is the most important position in professional sports franchises. More than any other. It re- really is. In terms of positional players, this is the most important position. So, of course, the owner is going to be invested in that and want to see what that's all about. Now, all right, if we get to April and I hear that Josh Harris has an interest in, in really putting his fingerprints and footprint on his general manager and the other personnel evaluators on who he thinks the guy should be, you know, maybe he really likes Bo Nix and, you know, <laughs> for whatever reason. And he's saying, hey, you know, I, I think we should take Bo Nix and move back. Then, okay, then I'm freaking the frick out at that point. I'm losing it. I, I'm with I'm with the rest, rest of you today. But I don't know, man. Maybe it was my moment of zen this morning with a coffee or whatever. But I'm not going to lose it. You know, I am not going to lose. I'm not going to lose sl- sleep over it. Uh I'm not going to lose it yet, okay? I, again, Josh Harris, yeah, he's different. He also spent more money than anyone else on the football franchise. So he's going to do it a little differently. Uh, the structure's different. Uh, he's not Dan Snyder, okay? Let me just repeat that. He's not Dan Snyder. He's put a lot of money in his own money right now in that terrible stadium they're in trying to fix what was you know, left to ruin by the previous two owners. Let's be honest. The Cooks did not do a good job building the stadium. They got it up in a hurry. Because he was, you know, coming to the end of his life, right? And he, they, they rushed it along. They absolutely rushed it along, and it's looked like crap ever since. And it's been behind the eight ball from day one. This guy's pumping more money in this place over and over. He's trying to make things better. And the player survey, the players appreciated him and like him for what he's doing. I, I, I've seen the guy in action at a training camp this year. He's not an interfere nut job. Okay. He's just, he's a fan. He grew up with the team. He's a fan, okay? But he's also got a lot of money put into this thing, and he wants to make sure the people he's hired, you know, are doing it the right way and probably wants to learn a little bit about it. So, again, unless he's grabbing the draft card and screaming out the pick on the phone to somebody uh, this year, then I'm, until then, I'm not going to lose my mind, okay? But that's just me. You can do what you want to do, I, and, and people will, because they have. I've, I've already seen it this morning. People just like, this isn't normal. This is not what's been done forever. No, you're right. It's not what's done forever. Forever, You're correct. It's different for sure. But anyway, it's just, this is, you know, again, he wants to be a part of it. That's fine. If he wants to be the drafter, not fine. So I will leave this in a, you know, put in, as they say, we're going to put a pin in this one and we'll come back and freak the hell out if he makes the selection uh, in April at that point. All right, 757-687-9494, 757-687-9494. All right, some of the uh, texts are uh, coming through here. Uh, Brett here, who's a Giants fan, he goes, do you think they will draft the quarterback to replace Daniel Jones, a.k.a. Mr. Glass? <laughs> That's interesting because the Giants, they got a lot of needs, right? Like they have a lot of needs where they are in the draft. They're not going to be able to get one of the top three quarterbacks unless, of course, they move up and trade up, which I do not think they can really afford to do without just gutting themselves even more. But at the sixth overall selection, you know, maybe if you're the Giants, you know, you're still trying to figure out the offensive line. There's going to be tackles. They don't have the greatest receivers in the world. They're going to be one of the top receivers there. Probably Marvin Harrison Jr. will be gone at that point. Odunze might be there 
at that point. You could also, you could also um, look to move back if you like J.J. McCarthy, right? Like maybe that's what you do. Or you could move back if you wanted Bonix or Penix, if that's what you wanted to do, if you thought that that would be better for you. But I don't know exactly if that makes sense to take a quarterback to replace Daniel Jones in round one, unless you just want to do it this year, right? Because they're stuck with him for this season. He's on this one-year longer deal. So Because there are a lot of other holes. Might make more sense to have said like a bridge quarterback veteran come in there this year to compete with Daniel Jones in that front. But yeah, I mean, if they're in love with one of these guys, have at it. Because again, like Washington, I would think you got to be like, you know what? Make sure that, uh, make sure that you have the quarterback in place and make sure you're never drafting this low again, right? Like you don't want to be drafting this low again if you're the Giants. So if you don't think you're going to be in striking distance again, maybe this is the year to do it. Um, Chuck from Virginia Beach says, yeah, wasting a first on a guy who doesn't play anymore, a.k.a. John Ross Bengals, bungled that one up, LOL. Uh, yeah, man, you got to love those first-round picks. The guys are out of the league. You know what I'm saying? That is never, never a good one. But John Ross, remember, he was a a guy that um, he was a guy that that was a combine warrior, fast, and people got all excited about John Ross running a straight line. He, did, he had some college tape, too, don't get me wrong, but – yeah, that that's what did it for him. You know, oh, we always go back to the Mike Mamula story. Eagle fan, sorry to do that to you. At a BC, good player, not a great player by any means, but you know, looked awesome in the uh, in the draft process. So, just kind of crazy, absolutely crazy uh, that it happens over and over again. Now, last year, a uh, guy from you know Old Dominion killed it at the combine and did not get overdrafted. And Koontz at tight end, remember. He had a great, you know, he was like had the best Raz score of a tight end and all this stuff, but it didn't help him. So I guess there are, people are learning uh, lessons as we move along here uh, and from time to time. All right, 757-687-9494. It is the uh, Scott Jackson Show. James is out today. Richie Somerville in the house. He will have an update here in a minute for us. Uh, we'll get to some more of um, the Combine stuff. There's a lot of news coming out of there today at uh, 757-687-9494 if you want to text us up. Or uh, hit us up via the Ballyhoo's phone line, 757-687-9494. Uh, Willingham with a rhyme, says Scott and James. And again, James is out. Willingham, you did not know that, but I'm yeah. telling you. It's, it's Richie. <laughs> so Scott and Richie, like Jack and Jill, y'all meet me up at the top of the hill so y'all can cut cards. And I can deal because if Chicago makes a mistake to get rid of Justin Fields, they'll be crying alligators and crocodile tears like a roach on a pole, too cool to move. Okay, it was rhyming for a minute, then I think it kind of went off the rhyming rails, but okay. They're going to get rid of Justin Fields. So it wasn't just gonna... quite a haiku. No, okay. not quite a haiku, um, but I think Justin Fields' days in Chicago are numbered. And that's not a bad thing for him. He's probably going to go to a, a much better team, whether it's um, Pittsburgh or um, you know maybe the Atlanta Falcons, who've got a better position to help him out. All right, I tell you what, we'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back. Richie's got your update. And uh, again, breaking news today, they report that uh, ODU is closing in on Mike Jones from Maryland, former player, uh, to be their new uh, head coach. We'll get to a little bit more of that as we move along this afternoon here. Scott Jackson, Joe Pride, Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We're brought to you by Larry King Law. You are listening to the Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. All right, welcome back. Yeah, Mike Jones. 
So Mike Jones, the uh, next old Dominion head coach, according to a report today, not coming from the school yet, but uh, a lot of lot of uh, smoke coming that direction right now that it looks like it's going to take place, but um, they have not officially, officially announced anything as of yet, but a uh, uh, announcement probably expected here in less than 24 hours. Um, but again, coaching, something called coaching changes, which now I have to follow on the X, uh, jumped on this early, so... They apparently had some type of in, so good for them. Uh, Mark Stern, Capital Hoops, covered Mike Jones at DeMatha, his coaching career at DeMatha, and obviously uh, knows the uh, WCAC inside and out. will be with us at 5, talk a little bit more about what we can expect Mike Jones's coaching style to be and um, maybe uh, some of the players that could be following him here as well. And uh, Jason Wade at 6 from Old Dominion Basketball, Coming off of last night's rough one at App State uh, before they uh, play Friday tomorrow to wrap up the season at Georgia Southern. All right, 757-687-9494, 757-687-9494. We were talking combine uh, earlier, and interesting, uh, one of the things we talked about was, you know, what do you watch, what do you care about uh, when it comes to combine, and you know, if you care about it, you know, a lot of people, for whatever reason, I guess it's not cool to say you watch any of it, but I did get, uh, I do have one person, my man Gutlead, who is totally into, is all invested into it, saying everyone basically watches it. And they just, I guess he's saying everybody lies about it, right? Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Like people that do these exit polling things you can never trust, right? Maybe that's what it is. I'm not sure. It's like, no, I know. I hate it. It's horrible. They're like ESPN or um, NFL Network's like, yeah, we had the greatest ratings ever this year for this, you know, non-event event. It's pretty wild. But some of the news coming out of the combine is always more important, like that the momentum for an XFL-style kickoff is coming to the league. They need 24 votes of owners to approve it. And NFL executive VP Troy Vincent was uh, doing the rounds this morning, was on Pro Football Talk Live, and he said there is enough momentum to persuade owners to embrace the change, and it will be pretty drastic looking different kickoff. If you did not watch the XFL last year, because they're not doing it anymore, which is funny, so maybe that's why the NFL can do it. And the new XFL is called the UFL, right, Richie? Is the UFL? Is that my right about that? Yeah, that was the result of the merger with the USFL and the XFL. So the new kickoff, if you don't remember from last year with the XFL, most of the players are five yards apart the moment the kick is received. And the return is incentivized since a kick into the end zone resulted in a ball in a 35-yard line. So we don't know what the final proposal, the NFL version, would look like, but that's what it looked like. Which would be pretty cool because, again, the, the concern about the kickoff has always been guys, you know, full head of steam, the big long collisions, a long runway to have those collisions. Well, this, you don't have that because they're all right up on top of each other and the back or the returner gets a little bit of more of a running start. Now, it wasn't like they had a zillion kickoff returns for touchdowns in the XFL, but it definitely had the, it was just a live play, which it's not. In the NFL, in the current version they have, it's just if, I didn't watch, ceremonial. I didn't basically. watch a lot of that spring football, yeah. but my my impression was that they were ten yards apart, the blockers and coverage guys. Yeah, but they could not move until the ball was received. Correct. Is that right? Right. Right. Okay. You can't remove. Yeah, you could. So you're not like jacking somebody up. But anyway, it was a. But it worked well. Like it worked well, and it made it a relevant play in the sport. 
which it isn't. Now, you can still boom the ball to the end zone. A lot of these kickers, you know, they can do that, right? They can boom the ball to the end zone. It's not a problem. Uh, but what they're what they're not doing anymore is, um, they're you know, like this year you were allowed to call a fair catch, you know, with inside the 20 just to put on the 25. So it was just kind of a wasted time, you know. Uh, you know, it's it, we'll see how it how it plays out, and if they like it, hopefully they'll do something with it because it, it has become a ceremonial play, which was the knock on the extra point before they sent that away, right? And now the extra point is it's not easy, right? It's, it's <laughs> tougher, much tougher. It's a much tougher. It's not an automatic seven like in the old days, right? It's become a very, very much a, a tougher kick, and it, it comes into play. You miss one, then later you're chasing that point, you know, and. It, and those decisions, and a lot of these coaches end up tying themselves into knots trying to figure out what to do as time goes on. But I'm glad to see they're going to do something with it because what they have had lately has been quite boring and unfortunate because it's uh, it should be an important part of the game. Field position, you know, they always say three phases of the game, but we've really kind of killed one of the phases by not having a kickoff return of any significance for a bunch of years here. But this potentially um, could change all that assuming it gets passed. Now, the one thing that Troy Vincent also said has he's seen no momentum or heard no momentum for is not getting any momentum for it, is the whole, you know, fumble through the end zone's a touchback. Like, people were, oh, my God, it's so unfair to the offense. They're like, no, just don't fumble. <laughs> don't fumble it out of the end zone. That's that's the key. And I look, listen, it is weird, right, because you can fumble out of bounds and you keep the ball on the sidelines, I should say. But when you fumble it through the end zone, it's different. But – if there was no punishment for these guys just sticking it out willy-nilly, just trying to break the plane and losing the ball, then, you know, that's part of the defense for the defense, right? Like that, that they can use the end zone or the back of the end zone in this case as part of the defense, right? Like part of the field. So if you are foolish enough to let the ball, you know, slip out of your hands prior to making it there, then if they knock it out, it's their football. You know, you lost the ball, that's on you, right, at the, at the one-yard line. So I, I'm not... I'm not surprised to hear that that did not get the momentum or get anybody fighting to change it because it's been in football forever. Everybody knows the rule. It's on you if you are sloppy with the football uh, towards the end zone. We saw this almost bite the Chiefs, remember, in the game of Buffalo uh, when they when they, you know, they fumbled the ball through the end zone and the Bills got it back. But Yeah, get- I, I've never understood the people who have a problem with this. It only seemed like it came up this year. Because maybe somebody bet on a team that uh, somebody right. in the media bet on. That's a team usually that what happens. Didn't like, didn't like the rule, but this is the way. Yeah, you're right. It's this is the way it's been, and it's also not the field of play, which is True. what I think people don't seem That's to understand point. when they when they try to uh, try to mash up what they want for a to have a perfect game out there in terms of the rules. If you fumble the ball into a neutral space and it goes out of bounds within that neutral space, there's got to be some sort of punishment for that. Absolutely. So it's just like, you know, there's a different rule, obviously, late in games for fumbles being advanced, right? Like, by unless it's the player that fumbles it. Like, in other words, you can't just keep knocking it forward to, you know, the holy roller play, right? They, they took that Thank out. Thank you, of the, Ken Stabler and yeah. Dave Casper. <laughs> Rest in peace. Exactly. They, they took that out. But yeah, and you're right. It's usually like the only time, and I've known this because I've done a million football post game shows over the year, people will call up if it happens to your team. And it didn't work out. Like, dang, you're so close. How do we lose the ball? They're like, yeah, well, just, you know, just, you know, value the possession. That's all. Value the, protect the football. You know, protect the football. That, that, that's all. Like, that's how you stop it. Like, that's, how do you prevent that from happening? Well, you protect the football. You know, just lunge and just lean out, you know, and not have control of the ball and expect uh, good things to happen. 
But it is it is funny. It comes up every couple of years, and this year because it was in a, in a couple high profile games, I think, and one of which obviously was a playoff game, but it didn't in the end impact the, the Chiefs. They ended up winning the game, but it was certainly a situation where they would have put that game away had they scored right there, and there would have been no chance for uh, the Bills to go and miss a kick and talk about that for a full off season instead. Uh, 757-687-9494, 757-687-9494 if you want to hit us up via that text line, Ballyhoo's phone line as well. Uh, you can get us through there. The um, the linemen are running today. The defensive linemen are running early uh, today. And again, how often a defensive lineman will ever have to run a 40 straight ahead from a starting position like a track athlete? I don't know when that happens. <laughs> but it's interesting that they have to do it. it. And again, it just shows the athleticism of some of these guys that are that size and can move like it. And it's, uh, it is, it is funny though. The, the non-football I, things they are asked to do. I've got it on right here. Before they went to the break, they had an overlay. Brandon Fisk, defensive lineman of Florida state, just ran a faster 40 time than Patrick Mahomes. That's awesome. They did an overlay of a beat him by two one hundredths of a second. That's hilarious. And he's a big sloppy guy. Uh, that's hilarious. That is so funny. Yeah, I mean, there you go. That's all you need to know. I mean, and again, I was saying this yesterday. These players now they train for the the, the combine. I mean, this is what they train for. They they train just for these combine workouts, and they also go through the combine class. They do. I mean, they should be able to ace the test. Honestly, every year we should have guys advancing past the previous draft class and previous draft class. They should always be able to do better. But yeah, if you looked at Braden Fisk and said, okay, this guy here, 6'3", uh, almost 6'4", 292-pound guy, could outrun Patrick Mahomes, you'd be like, get the hell out of here. The one thing I'll say about Patrick Mahomes is he's got a different game speed, though, right? Like when he needs to. Yeah. It's like a different game speed when he has the football in his hands and he's trying to make a play. It's a little bit different than... Uh, if he's just you know just running straight ahead in the in the first quarter, that's for sure. All right, seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four. Um, oh, Ant in Virginia Beach says the Vikings of the Eagles week two. Uh, Justin Jefferson fumbles in the end zone. Uh, two Justin Jefferson fumbles in the end zone. Uh, a touchdown which turned into a touchback. Minnesota lost by six. LOL. Week two. No, it was week two. It was just that one. Yeah, that's right. Justin Jefferson was the other one. I couldn't remember. And that was week two. And it was a lot of fantasy people that were mad about that. Because they were like, oh, we just lost six from Justin Jefferson. Yeah, man. It's a tough break. RG3 at the Meadowlands. Circa 20, I don't know, was it 2014, 20, 2015? He dove in there and lost control of the ball. And then he, he was like, he couldn't. He, he didn't even understand the rule. He thought he was just like, could throw it in and it'd be a touchdown. And he was like so pissed off. They're like, dude, come on. This, this rule's been in play forever. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back at 4 o'clock. Uh, again, college football, the momentum for the expansion before the expansion of the college football playoff is growing. We'll get to some of the more de- the more detailed stuff on that at uh, 4 o'clock in football at 4. Scott Jackson, show priority on Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry Kinglaw. This is the Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. All right, we are uh, brought to you by Larry King Law. Uh, coming up at uh, Football at 4, we will dive into this new look uh, format for the playoffs. It's not starting this upcoming season. We're going to have 12 this year in 2025. And 2026, though, um, things will look different, potentially. 
once they agree upon it. But a lot of momentum for this 14-team playoff uh, going, and they've got some more details about it and who the biggest beneficiaries are, uh, not surprisingly, uh, the SEC and the big are going to be the two biggest beneficiaries when this thing uh, kicks in eventually. So uh, that will, uh, again, the contract, the future uh, contract after the 2025 season remains uncertain, but there is, uh, looks like they're going to be able to strike this deal here pretty, pretty soon, which would be in 2026. Playoff format um, would look a lot different. Well, two more teams different than the, the model we're supposedly just switching to. So there's a lot of things to uh, consider here. All right, 757-687-9494, 757-687-9494. If you want to hit us up via the uh, Ballyhoo's uh, phone line or the text line as well, you can hit us up there. Greg in Gloucester with a question about that. Who do you think is going to have more teams in the playoffs next next season? Okay, next season, not not the future years. The SEC or the Big Ten? Well, that's interesting because, you know, on the surface, you would always just assume it's the SEC, but... You know, keep in mind, I mean, Nick Saban's gone, right? Like, I mean, there's a big difference there. Uh, Georgia still appears to be uh, primed to be excellent again next year. They got their quarterback coming back. Um, you know, it's the way, to, the way, in the way to early top 25s uh, for football. Uh, we had seen, you know, Georgia picked to be number one still. Um, you have Michigan obviously replacing Jim Harbaugh, which makes it very different. But you do have the Longhorns being added to the SEC, uh, even with uh, Bama's change. You know, Ohio State and Michigan will still be very highly rated. You know, you'll probably have Ole Miss hanging on the outside looking in. Don't forget Oregon's in the Big Ten now. So, I mean, that's the hard thing. you got to really do like a head count for yourself. Like, who's who's who in terms of um, what, what conference they're in? But it's going to be pretty close. I feel like it'll be pretty close between the two of them. But maybe a slight edge of the SEC just because we know what Georgia and Texas is bringing back. But Oregon's bringing back a pretty dang good team, and they're in the big now. Ohio State, you know, we'll see. They, they lose some p- key pieces, but they also had some interesting additions. And again, Michigan's going to be a whole new world. They're losing a lot of important players. Ole Miss has got a nice team coming back, but again, can they actually beat the top teams in their conference? You know, um, you got you got some interesting stuff there. Uh, Missouri's got a pretty interesting team. I, I would slightly hedge towards the SEC right now, but it's going to be pretty pretty close. Uh, it'll be pretty close, I, I would say, going into next year. But it's those two conferences and everybody else. Uh, clearly, clearly, it's those two conferences and everybody else. All right, um, from the seven five seven saying. The one scenario regarding a possible NFL adoption of the XFL kickoff setup that needs scrutiny is the onside kick. Would the kicking team uh, in an obvious situation say, we're attempting an onside kick with a structure lineup like present, this would nullify a surprise onside kick. I'm off of revamp the kickoff, but the but it's an uneventful with it's uneventful with zero excitement. Well, let's be honest. The onside kick is a loser play. I mean, the percentages of onside kicks never never hit anymore. I would say this, do, do, um, I, I, I like the idea, and they're not going to do it, the 4th and 15. I like the 4th and 15 from your own 25. That's idea. how the spring leagues got around it with that modified yeah. kickoff, was they had the 4th and 15, one 4th and 15 mm-hmm. play, you pick it up, and then you get to keep the ball. Yeah, so but I don't know if they're going to do that. Like you have the option once a half maybe to do it? Yeah, so I don't know. That's a good question if they're going to have that idea or not, you know? That's a great question. Yeah, we'll have to see because, again, they're still kind of ironing this thing out. 
But I don't. I, that's a really good question because yeah, I mean it does kind of change the onside kick. But remember, they're ten yards apart each. Uh, doesn't mean you still can't do it. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of what used to be they called the drive kick. Like you just pick a guy who looks clumsy and you kick it like right at him, <laughs> and it bounces off their chest or their leg, and then you're just running to get it. I mean, I think that tends to work better. The onside kick percentages are so bad. Uh, in the NFL overall. And, by the way, if you're talking about a play that tends to be on the more dangerous side in terms of collisions, onside kick, man, that's pretty pretty, pretty crazy how, how the collisions end up with that one if they're really trying to safen uh, things. Remember, the play you described there was kind of what ODU did at the end of the season. Yes, the drive kick. Was yeah. the, it was Georgia State or Georgia Southern, I forget. It was Georgia State. It was Georgia, Georgia State. State yeah. And they yeah. did it. And it was some. It was almost successful. Then they called ODU for a penalty. Yes. And so they made them re-kick. They tried it again, and the guy got out of the way. But because there was nobody really deep back for Georgia State, the ball wound up going all the way back to the 10-yard line. And that's where they recovered it, and that's what led to Georgia State having the – what did they – they got the safety after that. Yeah, and then yeah. The, and then scored the touchdown off of the kick after that. Yeah, the just the the quarterback – was running sideways. I don't know why on that play before when he set him up for the safety. He's like, no, you just have to get up field, man. You know, don't, what are you doing here? Get up field and stay in bounds. But yeah, that was. Uh, but that, yeah, I remember watching the end zone replay of the second attempt, and they were. That's what Odie was definitely trying to do. Yeah. Was trying to hit one of the Georgia State players and make yeah. it bounce off of him. And the dude had gotten wise to it, just said, "Oop!" He just played dodgeball. That was what he did. No doubt. No. No doubt. You got to just like play. Get out of the way at that point. Um, I've seen it happen accidentally in person too. Uh, for when I was in college at Clarion, we the, we had a, a very slippery field. One of our, our guy was kicking off, and there were five up men for Lockhaven. They turned around, and started running before the ball was even kicked to get back to their blocking positions. The dudes, our kicker, slipped and hit the other guy right in the rear end, <laughs> and it bounced straight back to the kicker, and he was on the ground and he grabbed the ball. This we got to do. You got to practice slipping, and it might be the best play. Uh, Greg and Gloucester says the drive kick worked in the movie Waterboy as well. He was like, "Okay, who's gonna be my yeah, uh huh." <laughs> Yeah, there should be more drive kicks. Um, there was a guy in the Redskins who was their punter, Jeff Hayes. He used to do drive kicks as opposed to an onside kick, and it worked uh, pretty well. But yeah, I mean, the the onside kick over time has they've just teams have gotten better at defending for it or being ready for it. With the hands team has, has become a little smarter in what they've done. It is kind of a uh, it's a hopeless kind of play. It's it's kind of a hopeless kind of play. So. Anyway, 757-687-9494, if you want to jump on board with us here uh, via the Ballyhoo's phone line or the uh, text line as well. Again, we'll get to the college football playoff expansion uh, discussions coming up in the uh, 4 o'clock hour in football at 4 at that point. Uh, One other real quick mention for the Combine. There is a – they they always have these great – interviews uh at the combine with different players and somebody will say something crazy well texas Tech's tyler owens who's uh supposed to be very fast defensive back um he was asked about outer space apparently he doesn't believe there there is outer space he says he doesn't believe in space uh as in other planets he feels like the earth uh, feels flat theories have some valid points and that there's not like other planets or anything not even not even the moon I guess not. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, one of these draft reports I saw has has his um, 
recently called his athleticism alien-like, but yet he doesn't apparently believe in aliens. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. He in the East-West Shrine game reached 21.55 miles per hour uh, running during the game, so he can flat-out fly. So I don't know, but yet doesn't believe in space. I don't know. To be honest with you, does that bother me more than or less than uh, the quarterback last year that put mayonnaise in his coffee? Absolutely not. I think that is still the worst thing in the history of, uh, in, of the draft combine that I came out after the draft, uh, Will Levis, putting mayo in his coffee. I mean, that, that to me, I, that's, an immediately, that's an immediate red flag, do not draft on, on my board. Mayo and coffee. And he also ate bananas with the peel still on him, which was weird, too. Yeah, I've heard of people who believe that we faked the moon landing. Yeah, I've heard of that. But I've never heard of people who thought the moon itself was fake. Yeah, now in this case, he thinks all of it's fake. Yeah, anyway. Thinks it's all fake. Anyway, interesting. So now we know. So now we know. Somebody's sending me Waterboy clips. Jimmy Lewis, thank you, Jimmy. Uh, 757-687-9494. All right, football at four uh, coming up. We'll get to all things uh, about this college football playoff idea. And also a very, very interesting uh, accusation being made by the New York Jets about one of their former uh, players as well. Uh, So we'll dive into that coming up. Football at four. Uh, Scott Jackson, show Priority Auto Sports Radio. 94.1, we are brought to you by Larry King Law. Injured in accident. Call 757-INJURED, 757-INJURED. Richie Somerville's got your sports center.